Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Resilient Leadership Podcast, where everything we talk about is aimed at helping you lead with greater sense of calm, clarity, and conviction, even in anxious times. Uh, my name is Irvin Nugent, and I am joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Bridget Tyre. Bridget, how are you doing today? Well, thank you for asking, Irvin. I am doing wonderfully. Looking out at blue skies in my office window, uh, loving the month of June. June is a spectacular uh, time of the year in the D.C. area. And just delighted to be in conversation with you, as always, uh, and on this topic in particular, the gift of anger. Yeah. So today's topic is the gift of anger rehabilitating a misunderstood emotion. Now, hopefully you're kind of like, hmm, that's interesting. Because I, I just want to take our listeners, you know, to think just a little bit about what are some of the messages that you have in your mind about anger? And think about some of the messages perhaps that you grew up with. Because I think almost universally, anger is seen as a bad or a negative emotion. And obviously, it is a dangerous emotion. It can get us into trouble. And, you know, as I was um, thinking about this episode, I, I pulled up some quotes about anger. And I think it tells us a little bit about what our feelings and the cultural inheritance we've had around anger. So one was from uh, uh, Waldo Emerson. For every minute you remain angry, you give up 60 seconds of peace of mind. And then Mark Twain said, anger is an acid. Interesting. And Joel Osteen, great preacher, said, every day we have plenty of opportunities to get angry, but what you're doing with when you indulge these negative emotions, indulge these negative emotions is giving something outside yourself power over your happiness. You know, and that final one is interesting as well, because I know I grew up in a faith tradition and the message I got, you know, from my Catholic faith tradition was that that anger is dangerous and anger is bad and be careful not to be angry. So here we have it, that uh, anger, we've this message is around anger, and it can't help but today uh, really influence how we think and feel about the emotion of anger. So I'm curious, Bridget, what were some of the messages you grew up with about anger? Well, that is a provocative question for me. And I have to say that the messages I grew up with were, I think around anger were negative. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it was explicit. Mm. I don't remember either of my parents saying, anger is really bad. Don't ever get angry. But implicitly, I absorbed this message. Yeah. And when I try to consider well, where did that come from? You know, my dad had a bit of a temper. Mm. And at first, it kind of frightened me a little bit. I mean, he never hurt me or anything like that. He, he, you know, he just had a temper. So I think what I learned to do is be like, okay, don't poke the bear. <laughs> you know, I learned to withhold my own anger because mm -hmm. the last thing I would want to do is poke the bear and make somebody else angry. So I think that is part of the, the way I got that message. And then just culturally, I think that I grew up in a time when women, like women were just not supposed to display really strong emotion. Mm -hmm. And anger certainly wasn't befitting yeah. of a graceful woman. Mm -hmm. So uh, I got a lot of unpacking to do. Mm -hmm. And I love, I love the subtitle today, which is rehabilitating an emotion, because I, I think we 
many of us do need to rehabilitate it. Yeah. 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 So thanks for asking that because it, it really provoked an interesting self-reflection for me. Okay. So, you know, our listeners know by now that when we have these conversations, we really like to ground them in neuroscience, especially when we're talking about touchy-feely things like emotions, <laughs> right? So so lead us into that part of our discussion, Urban. What, what's going on in the brain with respect to anger? What does the neuroscience tell us? Yeah, you know, it's a really interesting question. And maybe let's just zoom out just a little bit before we get into anger. And that is, you know, we have all these emotions. And I always like to ask, you know, what is an emotion? Why do we have them? Obviously, we evolved as human beings with these emotions. So they must, something must be going on. You know, one of the real key researchers that began really all research on emotion is Dr. Paul Ekman. And back in the 1960s, if you as a psychologist said, you know, I'm going to spend time studying emotions, you would have been laughed out of the laboratory. And so he really changed that and really began, you know, our modern understanding of what emotions are. And, and there's a definition he uses, which I think is, is really beautiful. He says, emotions are processes which help us deal with matters of importance to our welfare without thinking. And so there's a couple of things in there I want to pull out. First of all, an emotion is a process. It's not just one thing that happens. It sets in motion a whole process, which enables us to react to something which is very important to our welfare, and it's without thinking. And so therefore, you know, we've said this in, in numerous episodes before this, we evolved, and one of the strongest traits we have is this trait to survive. And here, emotions are helping us survive. They're helping us to put into motion a process that will help us survive. So when you think about anger, of course, anger is this forward momentum. It is protecting us. You know, we have an internal radar, which every seven seconds is looking for threat. And when something threatens us, we have an automatic response. We react first and we ask questions later. Mm -hmm. And we have this coordinated and organized response. And anger is a beautiful example of that. So, so Bridget, you know, when we get angry, can you think of, of kind of what would you say would be the coordinated and organized response of our body? Well, one thing that I think we can all relate to is that our muscles immediately start to tense right. up, right? Yep. You look at an angry person, their face is tense. <laughs> yeah. uh, their muscles are, become quickly very tight. Yeah. And then, of course, inside the brain, there are these neurotransmitter chemicals that are flooding the brain and giving us a burst of energy, which to me is one of the most fascinating things, mm. that anger energizes us. Yes. Right? Yep. I mean, we get a burst of energy from this emotion. And then, of course, all these other related physiological things happen. Our blood pressure rises. Our extremities, you know, are flooded with blood. We're gearing up, right? Our attention narrows. We get locked onto the target of our anger, whether that's a person or a subject or an injustice. And soon we can't pay attention to anything else, right? We, we have become ready to fight. Yes. And we all experience the emotion of anger, of course. And as you said, it's part of our survival inheritance. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Not, it's not like we can wish it away no. because it is deep in our DNA and deep in our inheritance. 
Absolutely. And you know, what's really interesting, what we understand as well, psychologically, there's a term which, which I love, which is called a refractory period. That means when we're in the midst of an emotion, but say anger specifically, and you just mentioned, you know, our, our target focus narrows into that which is causing us anger. And in that period, the only data we're willing to receive is that which backs up how we are feeling. That's why at times when someone is angry, it can be difficult to talk to them. And maybe, you know, a little time out, a little cooler heads, that's why perhaps that can lead to a better conversation. Now, we are not slaves to our emotions. And of course, we've talked before that there is a dialogue. There's a dialogue going on between uh, the prefrontal cortex, which is this front part of our brain, which is the the center of reason and logic, et cetera. And, and of course, uh, the amygdala, where our emotional part of our brain is. And so it is possible. It is possible when we notice anger for us to be able to engage the prefrontal cortex and to have, first of all, a more reasonable conversation, but also to integrate tools that can help us target our anger in a way that is helpful. And this is something I really want to say is that, you know, instead of us using the terms good or bad when it comes to emotions, you know, we have good emotions, we have bad emotions. I like to say that emotions are conveyors of messages, of Mm -hmm. information that's important to our welfare. Are we able to notice what the message is? And can we use that emotion in a constructive or a destructive way? Mm-hmm. So I think anger, anger can absolutely, we know anger can be used in a destructive way, but it also can be used in a constructive way. And I think that's what we really want to focus on in this episode. Mm-hmm. And that's why we've called it the gift of anger. You so, know what this is reminding me of, Irvin, as I'm what? listening to you? Yeah. Is the episode that we did recently on managing leadership and anxiety. And Mm. remember how one of the key points we were trying to underscore there is that anxiety in and of itself is not the problem. It's what we do with it. Yes. And really what you're reminding our listeners Mm. and reminding me of is anger is not the problem in and of itself. It's what we do with it. Yes. Absolutely. We are not slaves to our emotion, as you said. Yes. So with that in mind, then, we've titled this episode, The Gift of Anger. So, Bridget, when you kick it off, what do you think, what comes to mind when you think of that and how anger can really be a gift for us and and that message of anger? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's certainly, if it's going to be a gift, then the gift is in the message, right? Mm -hmm. But I want to speak to something before we even talk about the message of anger, and that is just acknowledging the range of angry feelings because yeah. it goes from annoyance, right? Yeah. Like yeah. when somebody's annoyed with you, you know they're angry. But yeah. they're not necessarily yelling or, you know, doing anything like that, but there's there's anger there. Yeah. But it can go from annoyance mm. all the way to rage, right? So there's a, a variance in terms of the strength of the feeling of anger. And then on top of that, there's, you know, different kinds of of anger. Like there's indignation you know, where there's sort of a self-righteous anger, they're sulking, which is sort of a passive form of anger. <laughs> you know, people use the term passive aggressive, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the, the sulking is the passive part of that. Just the exasperation of your patience being tried. You know, I have a daughter who has two small children, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, soon to be three. And I see exasperation being expressed from time to time because they try her patience mightily, right? 
So to your question, though, about what's the message and potential gift of anger is really when we can look at what's behind it. What is it telling us? Why is it there? And there's different reasons for anger. Like sometimes it tells us that our boundaries Mm. have been disrespected or trampled upon. Yeah. And we get angry when that happens. Yeah. And rightly so, right? Or sometimes it's not about boundaries. It's really that someone has thwarted our forward progress. Mm. It's like, I got a goal here. I'm heading towards it. And you've just come in, you know, and thwarted me. Yeah. Or or maybe it's about fairness. You know, maybe our sense of of being treated fairly has been violated. And Mm. depending on the why of the anger is an important message underneath. What is it that's really making me angry? And it's not always obvious. Like first blush, you might say, of course, this is what's making me angry. But if we sit with that question a little bit more, what's the message this anger is here to reveal to me? Something else, you know, might surface, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, anger can get us into trouble. We all know that. And sometimes we say and do regrettable things under the influence of anger. I mean, I know I've done that. But I think what we need to really share with our listeners now is, okay, what are the gifts? Mm-hmm. What are the possible gifts of this emotion? Because it wouldn't be with us if there weren't some very positive things yep. that come from it. Yep. So what do you think, Urban? Well, you know, we've used this word before earlier and we saw talking about energy. And so I think one of the things, first of all, is anger energizes and it pushes us forward. I grew up in a pub in Northern Ireland, if people don't know that. My father, God rest him, had an amazing sense of when there would be a fight or not. And part of it, and I said, well, how do you know? And he says, well, you know, when there's going to be a fight, you know, he said, people puff themselves up. And he says, and, and you know, and they're getting ready and they're, you know, and they're kind of like, come on, come on. And, and it's this, 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 this anger is this forward, it's this forward propulsion. And so therefore, you know, first of all, it keeps us safe. So it, it was there to keep us safe. But I think as well that anger can truly help us to mobilize our resources, to increase our vigilance, and to remove any obstacles in the way of our goals. So just think about goals that we have set ourselves and something gets in the way. And it's so easy just to declare defeat. Oh, that was a stupid goal. I'm not going to go there. And yet anger has the power to really push us, to energize us, to really help us push towards this goal, perhaps, that otherwise we would have been prevented from realizing, so, you know, to, to really push ourselves in service to this goal or working towards our ideals. So like I'm thinking of a client I had, Bridget, a few years ago who really had some negative talk towards her. And uh, she had a dream of being one of the first person, a generation in her family to go to college. And she had all this negative messages. You're not going to, you're not going to be able to go to college. Why even try? And she said, you know, it made her angry. And I always said, well, well, you know, maybe that anger can be used. And she, she learned how to use that as energy to really, you know, push herself and say, you know, I'm going to show you. And, you know, this is a story that's very common of how, you know, things that have said to us, which make us angry. And instead of us hitting out, rather, it's being used as this 
amazing energy to help us achieve the goal at hand. Mm, that is a really great example of it, it was a gift to her because it really was a source of fuel yes. for her, wasn't it? Oh, I love that word, fuel. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so anger, if it weren't for anger, sometimes we wouldn't be able to overcome yeah. huge hurdles in our yes. midst. Yes. Huh. Yeah. Bridget, what other gifts can you think of? Well, I think anger can reveal or remind us of our values mm. and our very deeply held beliefs. What, yeah. what do we truly cherish? You know, what matters most to us? And when people or situations are not in harmony with those values, we will get triggered, right? And often we will be triggered with anger. Uh, and if we can step back and say, is there a value here at stake that I care deeply about? I think that that can be a gift, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. an emotion that can remind us of what we care most deeply and fundamentally about. Yeah. And I don't know, Bridget, it's, it's interesting, you know, we, I'm just thinking there, we came from a, a, an episode last week on missing conversations. And I, I think sometimes a missing internal conversation is that, you know, kind of, yeah, I get angry, but what value? What, what, why did I get angry? What value there? And I, I love this idea of really exploring some of the values perhaps that, that have been violated. And why mm -hmm. is that so important for me? Mm-hmm. For sure. And then, you know, I'm listening to you talk a lot about how anger energizes us, how mm -hmm. it, it has a forward momentum to it. And I think paradoxically, anger can help make us more optimistic. Yeah. Because if we are deploying it properly, we're using that energy to, to feel empowered, yeah. to feel that we can change. It's a call to action. Anchor is mm. a call to action. We can change a situation yeah. and we feel the energy needed to do that. So I think mm -hmm. that's a huge gift. And then I would, you know, just say, this is kind of closely related to reminding us of our values, but anger can really remind us of social injustices that mm. we no longer want to tolerate. You know, we no longer want to put up with. Yeah. And of course, you know, you can probably think of a lot of movements, social mm. movements that were rooted in the emotion of anger. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and when you think of, of of some of the the great social movements, you know, kind of here you have like a figure like Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi, who hello always espoused peaceful demonstration, but yet it was the anger. It was the anger of the British rule there and, and some of the laws, et cetera, that propelled him to action, propelled him from being an attorney into taking action in his own way. You know, Martin Luther King, Harvey Milk, all, all these great figures, you know, there was an element of them looking at present situation and saying, this cannot continue. And either it was an injustice towards them or injustice that they saw to the wider society, and it propelled them, it energized them, helped them take courageous stands. And that energy was, you know, kind of used in a way which helped us perhaps make change that otherwise we wouldn't have done. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, Bridget, we, we've kind of talked there a little bit, and we're kind of touching upon 
leadership. And I know that one of the core areas of resilient leadership for us is at times having to lead with conviction. And we all know that sometimes leading with conviction requires us to take some courageous stands. And I'm wondering, you know, does anger have a part to play there and maybe helping us to be more courageous? I think so. And I'm really glad that you're bringing up this point because we really want to root this in the notion of leadership and how could anger help us be better leaders, more resilient leaders, right? And I think it really is connected to this notion of leading with conviction because as leaders, we are called sometimes to be bold, to take risks, to take tough stands. And the energy behind anger can sometimes empower us to do that. I'm thinking of a client I worked with once who was really angry from the get-go. I mean, when we started coaching together, the anger was palpable and uh, it made our sessions interesting. They certainly were never boring. I'll tell you (laughs) that. And so as we explored what was really going on for her, one of her biggest sources of anger was her boss. And the reason is, is that she says, my boss keeps telling me, keeps giving me huge projects and more and more work to do. And really saying to me, we got to take this on. We need to do this. You can do this. And yet at the same time, he would say to me, and I really want you to have a good work-life balance. Mm. And she said, I, I was so pissed at him because he's acting like he wants me to have a whole life. He's saying he wants me to have balance. And yet his behavior is such that he's basically saying, do more with less, do more with less, do more with less. Now, here's the thing. She was so trapped in her anger that she couldn't figure out what to do with it except to rail at him until she was really able to step back from it and get on the balcony like we talk about and use that anger as a source of energy to say, what is it that I care most deeply about? And what is it that I'm going to do here? And she took a stand and she took a stand for herself and her life. And she left uh, that job and found a completely different one in another part of the organization. And by the way, he got angry at her for that, but oh, mm. well, yeah. and off she went. So yeah, it's essential to leading with conviction. Again, because you said, Irvin, it can be a dangerous emotion. We have to use our our prefrontal cortex, don't we? To uncover the message of the emotion. Yes. Harness the fuel it is giving us and figure out where we want to go with it. Absolutely. And then with that in mind, Bridget, I think that's a great segue into the, the acknowledgement. We're not trying to say here that anger doesn't get us into trouble. Of course it does. Oh my God, I can look back in so many regretful, angry episodes in my life. However, let's just explore then how might we be able to use this tremendous fuel and energy, but direct it in a constructive way rather than a destructive way. And I think that's really the core. So let, let's just um, maybe explore a few practices that people might uh, want to use or techniques. Uh, Bridget, have you any techniques or that you've seen either you suggest your clients or you've seen your clients use? Well, you know, really, I think uh, in the example I just shared, come to think of it, you know, the real practice that we worked on together was helping her to get on the balcony. Mm. So that meant, what did that mean? Practically speaking, 
she had to get some emotional distance yep. from the situation and some perspective. Yep. She had to be able to step back and up. She had to take some breaths. And then she had to ask from a place of curiosity. And this is hard mm. when you're really angry. Yeah. She had to ask herself some questions like, yep. well, what is this anger really about? You know, what is the message? that this anger is here to reveal to me. Yeah. And you know, what, what do I stand for? Yeah. yeah. Now that sounds, yeah. you know, easy as I'm saying it and it's not because the emotion of anger fills up our bodies and our brains with all of the, you know, all that stuff that we talked about earlier. So you have to find, actually, I think a lot of times, a trusted partner to help yep. you do this. Mm -hmm. Don't you think, Irvin? Oh, absolutely. Yes. And explore it in a safe place and a dialogue there that's someone that can, can help you really think about what's happening. Yeah, I love mm -hmm. that idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think works? Well, what works for you and what has worked for your clients? I think also reappraising situations is important as well. And, and I think that's a wonderful technique. And it's kind of going back, you know, we've talked about empathy before, and this a marvelous ability of the human person to put ourselves in another person's shoes. And, and that in a way fundamentally think uh, changes the way we think about things and, and re-engages the prefrontal cortex in a different way. I always go back to the great example um, Stephen Covey um, had in the uh, the seven behaviors of, of successful leaders. And he talks about an example from New York City. And there is a Sunday morning in the subway. It's very quiet. And there's a gentleman there. And all of a sudden, it stops. And a man gets on with two kids. And one of the kids is just being annoying. They are being disruptive. They're making noises, etc. And the man is getting more, sitting is getting more and more agitated. And so much so that he decides to go to the to the gentleman and to kind of berate him for the behavior of his kids. Oh. And um, because he was getting so angry. And so he just says, look, he said, can you not do something about your kid? It's, they're annoying me. And the man looks at him and says, you know, you're probably right. And I apologize. But we've just come from the hospital where his mother died. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, here's the same situation. The exact same thing is happening. And now we're receiving that data in a totally different way. And the anger now has, has abated and the anger has turned into something else. And so, you know, this is a really dramatic example, but I think at times it shows the power of the human brain to take something and to be able to really reappraise it. What might mm -hmm. be happening? What's, what's something I'm missing in this mm -hmm. situation? Is, is the cause of this something other than what I'm thinking? And I think that power to reappraise a situation can truly help us manage anger in a much different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially when we when we feel like we're the victim of it, right? Yes. Or yeah, and yeah. what a powerful example there that you yeah. just shared. You know, and mm -hmm. I'm quite impressed with that father because many people would be so triggered, yeah, by that because of the context. Yeah, they would have had an angry outburst, yeah. you know, but, yeah. but he didn't. And I think it's important to remind us and remind our listeners that sometimes our anger, our feelings of anger are so intense yeah. that there is not going to be in that moment an ability to access our prefrontal cortex and yeah. da, 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 it just isn't going to happen. And yeah. what we need to do then 
is probably step away, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. Call a timeout, <laughs> put ourselves in timeout. Yeah. And then when we have calmed down a bit, re-engage. What, what we don't want to do is sort of have a cooling down period and then we don't ever go back to the situation mm. because then it can become a missing conversation like we yes. talked about in the last yeah. episode, right? Oh. oh, I can relate to that so often. Sometimes I've walked away in anger, but I've never had the follow-up. So the anger just stews and it gets worse. And yeah. I think you're, you're spot on there. At times we don't have that follow-up conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's understandable because I think that we are uncomfortable and as we've said, we have conflicting feelings about the emotion itself. Yeah. So when we have anger and we've cooled down, we don't re-engage in part because we don't we don't want to deal with anger. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to we don't want to go there again. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Irvin. So I think we always like to leave our listeners with some kind of a core practice. What would you like to share with folks that would sort of bottom line this and help them to access anger as a gift? Well, I think I'm going to go back to at times we really don't spend enough time exploring our anger and how it shows up. And one of the ways that I like to do this with some of my clients in the workshops is I actually ask them to draw out what the anger looked like. So very often we don't visualize it. So I actually have them create this little graph And uh, on the vertical line, that is the intensity. And then on the horizontal, it's the time. And you draw out the graph. Like, what would that look like? If you had to draw, so how quick did you get angered? If you got quick, of course, you know, that vertical line is going to go up very quickly. How long did it last? And then you kind of draw um, that and the vertical line. And then how quickly did it fall uh, away? And I think that's really helpful because it gets us, first of all, to recognize some anger patterns. What are triggers? What, what got my anger going? And why is that important? And then am I normally a person who's quick to anger or do I let it stew and stew and stew and all of a sudden it comes out? So I think understanding our patterns is essential. Now, you mentioned something else as well, which I think this works with, about at times it's great to have a dialogue. And, you know, if you're in a relationship where there's some anger, this exercise can work really well. If you chart out and draw what you thought your anger looked like and you ask the other person, what did that anger look like to you on the receiving end? And I think it can really lead to some really amazing conversations about anger and about how it shows up. So I I think it's important for our listeners, just take some time, explore this energy that we have, this fuel that we have, which I think is a wonderful way of thinking about anger. How does it show up? And then ask some of the deeper questions. Why? Well, what's what's going on here? And then hopefully we can harness that to really lead us into constructive rather than destructive action. Mm, I love that. You know, Irvin, I want to just also say once again that anger is so relevant to leadership because at the end of the day we are often called upon to make very difficult decisions take unpopular stands yeah issue a call to action yeah stand for a principle yeah initiate change in an organization that no one will initially like mm-hmm. on and on and on and sometimes anger 
is, as you said, that source of energy that propels us forward to do the tough work of leadership, to lead with conviction. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this conversation was a gift to me. I appreciate Mm. it so much. Uh, It's given me a lot to think about. I hope it's done the same for our listeners. And we look ahead to the next episode. And our topic for the next episode is the art of letting go, Mm. which is an essential skill for leadership and for life. And you know what? It's kind of related to, and we'll build upon this topic because sometimes we have to let go of our anger, right? Yes. At the end of the day. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Irvin. Thank you to all of our listeners. We so appreciate you coming along on this journey with us. Irvin, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you for this conversation, too. It's given me a lot of food for thought as well. So I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. Take care.